Hello and welcome to FM On Demand with Tara Fitzpatrick. I'm your host, Tara Fitzpatrick. And today we have got somebody very cool. His name is Mike White. He's someone new. He's the director of dining at UConn. UConn just has a nationally recognized dining program. We certainly have covered them a lot over the years. And as it turns out, Mike is not really new to the game. He's been there. So he's going to tell us how he started. He actually started um, washing pots there and he kind of worked his way up, obviously. And now he's the director. He's putting his own stamp on it. He's not... um, Kind of, I don't know, when you start somewhere new, sometimes if there's a very well-known person before you, people will say, oh boy, you have big shoes to fill. But he made a very good point that he was like, I have my own shoes. I'm doing my own thing, which I think is like pretty inspirational for anybody who's in a leadership position. So please enjoy and thank you for watching. Hey, Mike, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And we I initially was going to say you've got this new role at UConn, but actually you've been at UConn for a very long time. And in fact, you went to college there. So I wondered if you could, um, first of all, I just I wanted to see how is it going now that you're in this role officially, there was some interim roles before, but now this is it. I, I just wanted to see a little bit overall, how are things going there? I think things are going great. I think in terms of the roles, you know, the roles that I played in the past versus this, uh, you know, everything was operations based for me for 26 plus years, worrying about the day to day within dining in terms of, uh, you know, potential union issues, uh, staffing issues, putting out fires, dealing with emergencies, dealing with call outs, uh, trying to navigate that with my management team. Uh, parent complaints, student complaints. <laughs> it's stressing uh, me out just yeah. hearing this so list. <laughs> There's that would a be lot. How I would, that, that's how I would describe operations. It's really yeah. hard to describe what the old job was. Um, yeah. Sort of live it. And now this role is more administrative, uh, dealing with the university in different ways. Uh, it could be dealing with something in student affairs, the president's office, the financial you know, team here. Uh, trying to decide where to push us next, creating budgets. You know, budgets are challenging across the country when it comes to dining programs. We've all been impacted by inflation. And I think oh, yeah. we crafted a budget a year ago and then inflation hit our product line anywhere between 6.8 and you know upwards of 14, 15%. So oh, yeah. the budget you thought you were going to do, you know, suddenly your commodities for resale is uh, escalated tremendously. And so there's an educational piece for that. I think the great thing is for me personally, I understood UConn. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to walk into this role and sort of learn two things at the same time. How does the institution operate? Who are the players? Right. And also what's this job all about? So it's been great so far. I'm really looking forward to uh, how we conclude this semester. And then I'm very excited already about fall. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. And UConn has been historically just a leader in college dining and like very active in the various organizations. And we really wanted wanted to point out that you are standing on the shoulders of giants there a little bit um, with the great Dennis Pierce. So I I wanted to talk a little bit about the things that you learned um, from him, because you mentioned that he really was kind of somebody that like people listened to when he said something, people were like, oh, He's, I need to listen to this. Yeah. And and so 
mentor is probably not a complimentary enough word. Um, <laughs> what I what I learned, uh, you know, working side by side with Dennis for a long period of time. Um, I, I will share something though that that somebody shared with me recently. So I, I learned an awful lot from Dennis, and Dennis was innovative. He was creative. He pushed the envelope on the culinary side. He understood yeah. how our finances worked. He certainly understood this institution. And he had experiences from other places uh, prior to UConn. Those were all incredibly important things. And one of the first things that Dennis had talked to me about 13 years ago when I started my old role was that uh, you got to put family first. And, and that wasn't necessarily mm -hmm. something that I think we all understand it at, when we first start. We think it's all no. about career. It's all about being aggressive, working as many hours as we yep. can. But, but you can't lose sight of family and that's the one thing about UConn yeah. that I think we all value in some ways is that it is a big family. I can't tell you how many different events I've been invited to. I hate to yeah. say it this way, but how many funerals and wakes that we've all attended because we've lost someone from that UConn family. Yeah, uh, We're always there for each other. And I think that's another thing I learned from him. But when it comes to the future and sort of where we're headed, I don't wear Dennis's shoes, right? I, I don't yeah. I have my own pair of shoes and, and mm -hmm. I'm not trying to fill his shoes. And I and Zia from Ohio State was yeah. um, reminded me that that's an important distinction is that, yeah. yes, you worked for someone who was incredibly impactful in NACUFs and at the institution, but now is an opportunity to to do what you think is or your team, my team wants to do yeah. with dining here at UConn moving forward. That's really true. I really like that. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold on to that too, because yeah, it's like, I, I have my own shoes. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and you, everybody brings their own special thing. So it's not going to be exactly like the person who came before you or the person who comes after you. So it's, well, and I love that focus on family too. And um, not just like making your work community feel like a family, but also like letting it be okay that your own family is something that is a priority for you. And I'm lucky that I work in an organization that feels that way, but, and you're right. I didn't always feel that way. And, um, sometimes you feel like you have to kind of like act like you don't have kids and, um, you, you have to, and I wanted to ask about your kids too, because it's something that yeah. always fascinates me is the parents of twins <laughs> or yeah. forbid, triplets, how, <laughs> so, but you have twins. So how are you able, it, that's just so crazy to me, Were the, but that was your first kids that you had. So you didn't know any that, different. That's exactly that's what, what my cousin I, did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I had had a, a single child um, <laughs> and then we rolled into the twins, I think my wife and I would have, I don't know, but my, my no. wife, my wife is, She's been in, you know, she worked in preschool. She's done that her entire, uh, you know, even before she came to UConn, she was working in a preschool. And then she came to UConn to to study. And now she works at a, at a, a preschool in Mystic, Connecticut. But she's been around kids. Yeah. I feel like her whole life. And so I lean heavily and have always leaned heavily on the direction that she provides um, as a parent, as sort of someone who... Yeah. Raising, you know, helping me. Uh, we're working together, obviously, to raise two incredible young adults at this point. But um, yeah, we didn't have a single child first. We had twins. We did. Mm -hmm. right? you, you fed them at the same time. <laughs> I, um, I think I think back to uh, having them each in you know little bouncy seats and holding bottles at the same time because you just you, you just there was no way. And so yeah. um, the the fascinating thing about it 
having twins, I think, is that they, regardless of whether they're fraternal or identical, mm -hmm. uh, there are differences in personality. And so I think what makes my situation enjoyable as a parent is just seeing how they each process things differently. But then if you circle it all together, just how close they are, yeah. how good of friends they are, how well they get along. Um, you know, I tell people they're roommates up here at, at UConn and people are like they're roommates. I said, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing to me. Like, oh my, I, you know, my kids could never be roommates. And so I'm just really proud yeah. of that, what they're becoming and where they're headed. And I'm, you know, it's been awesome to have them here. They're really here at the same time that I started working for dining, the same age that I started working for dining services. So it's really this really weird stuff. Uh, Full circle. Know. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It is. It is. As you get older, it's like, it's amazing how far that you can look back. And it's like, I can remember something that was 30 <laughs> years ago. Like what in the yeah. world? <laughs> it doesn't seem right. But um, yeah. So going back to like the early nineties time of like you attending UConn, I wonder if you could, you could set the scene for us and like, how different was it? How different was just college dining in general in the early nineties when you got there? So I got to UConn in the fall of uh, 1992 uh, you know, I came from, I'm in, I live in Connecticut, so I lived in uh, Stonington at the time, and I still take the same roads that I took <laughs> back then to get here. But uh, I lived in North Campus. Um, it had a name back then that uh, was referred to as the jungle. We're not allowed to say that anymore. Uh, it was a crazy place. <laughs> was, it like, um, was it like a party situation? Yeah, I think a lot okay. of it. So it was originally <laughs> constructed for folks that were here to uh, attend school that were on the GI Bill. So it really had this reputation in the 1950s, 60s of and maybe it was 60s, 70s, but it just had this rowdy kind of like rough and tumble. Reputation. And so, you know, that's changed a lot. Uh, but uh -huh. when I got here, the funny thing was the dining hall was under construction um, that I was north was being expanded. And so I remember my first day of classes, it was like 730 in the morning and jackhammers going off. And I'm like, you know, oh. that was my really my first introduction to dining was that, you know, here they are renovating at 7:30 on a Monday morning in the first day of classes. Like this is terrible. <laughs> um, the the dining hall itself was a lot different, and it was it was more simplistic. I would mm -hmm. say. Um, we didn't do anything like continuous service. You really had to eat. Like I lived in what they called large dorm dining, so I had to eat in large dorms. Mm -hmm. Meal plan was in, totally different. Yeah. You know, you bought a meal plan that was like 15, 19 or 21 meals a week, something like that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you had some dining dollars that you could use in retail. The food itself was served to you every mm -hmm. you went in. You could get one piece of chicken, mm -hmm. uh, essentially a scoop of a vegetable and uh, some some starch. Um, you could go back as many times. That was still allowed. But yeah. you got back in line and <laughs> you got... When you went back through, you could get one piece of chicken. You know, it's just very <laughs> right, right. So, but it's like, would you want to go back even? Yeah, no, I, you know what? I, I, um, I think for me, and I would felt this way in high school. I felt this, I like, I've always loved food, and I've always <laughs> like, I don't, I never had a lot of complaints about the food. I think the fact that it was there and available. Yes, it was a hot meal. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and we had some. We actually even back then. There were some things that I like, I love looking forward to people going to laugh if they ever watch this, but like chicken tetrazzini back in the day. Oh, was, yeah. <laughs> if I could get my hands 
on that. I was excited. Beef stroganoff. There were just certain things that. Oh yeah. When it was on the menu, I was really excited. Just that good uh, old comfort food and yeah, some yeah. of that stuff. It's yeah. coming back now. Like you should yeah, see like what. Stick to your bones. <laughs> stick to your bones. Uh, New England yeah. uh, mm -hmm. warmth kind of recipes, I guess. You know, and yeah. and those are things I looked forward to. Um, you know, there were certain meals that. I would say we're, we're a risk to your digestive system. Taco, <laughs> night, taco night was a challenge, you know, so, um, but um, I, I really enjoyed it. You had to roll it. the I dice. Think, yeah, I know. And I, I think I really enjoyed it. And yeah, you know, what I really liked about it the most was I lived on a floor uh, in Middlesex dorm. And when we would go to dinner, I mean, it was 20 different people joining. We were all go together. Mm -hmm. We would just sit there for a couple of hours at dinner and you just talked about everything. Yeah. And I think that that was the, the best part for me, um, was getting to know people, getting to tell your story, listening to their struggles. Yeah. And, and this gentleman named Tadaryl who works for UConn, I stole this from him a couple you know months ago, but he described it as you build relationships one plate at a time. And, and I, I think looking back, that's exactly what, uh, I experienced in my first few years here. I, oh I, yeah, for I, sure. I, yeah. I that sense of community. To. Yeah. That's cool. That it's a common thread that kind of has carried you forward. And now yeah. you are like helping other people get that experience. So cool. Yeah. That's one of the things I like the most about dining is that breaking bread together yeah. situation. Absolutely. And you have a couple degrees that I thought was an interesting combo and that I think must totally help you with your job. You've got economics yep. and psychology. So tell us a little bit about that. So Econ it, is very hard. I had like an, a microeconomics <laughs> class in college that I, that was a struggle. They were talking yeah. about there's guns and butter or there that's the supply and the demand, or then yeah. they changed it to beer and pizza to appeal to college kids. And I never understood it. There's something called, called utils. That's all I know. That's all I got. That was well, a terrible class for me. So tell me about how did you come to study this? Stuff? <laughs> um, economics was just something I think that I, I got interested in as I ruled out other things. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, you're always trying to figure out how you're going to equate a degree into what you want to do in life. And so the supply and demand part, you know, in the most simplistic form, the supply and demand part, I think, is relative to what we do in food, right? So yeah. there's a demand and that you supply it. How it oh, plays yeah. on, in the commerce markets and how it plays in the world, you're seeing it with, we're seeing it with fuel, we're seeing it with oil. You know, our society has, is now more challenged than ever by corporation profits and that oh, supply yeah. and demand, that supply and demand issue is hitting consumers in, in one of the hardest ways. Mm -hmm. I also at that time got really interested in politics to a certain extent. And so I did my undergrad is in economics with a concentration in political science. And I think one of the things that I realized in working at an institution like this over the, over the years is that dining's relationship to the institution in many ways can be viewed as political, especially oh, yeah. in budgetary seasons. Or if anybody yep. wants to have the debate about being a private dining program or, you know, putting yourself out to bid, those are very political yep. maneuvers that happen. That's true. You have different stakeholders and yeah, yeah different opinions. Then, yeah. UConn, you know, UConn is is relied, you know, we rely on state assistance for the block grant here. And so that relationship in many ways, the testimony that's provided by students and faculty and the administration in front of the General Assembly, that's a very political world. So I think it worked yeah. well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The, the 
the master's degree is actually in industrial organizational psychology, which is the non-clinical side of psych. Um, it's really, you know, five or six years ago, and I did this degree, I, I want to say it was over 10 years ago, but emotional <laughs> intelligence, people would say, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Now, now all you hear about in mm -hmm. managing people is where you are on the emotional intelligence in that world. And that's what that degree is all about. It's about putting how you put teams together, how you lead organizations. Uh, you know, we, we, you've all done, people have done the disc assessments and mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the other things. I did one called the mesquite, which was about emotion and how I process, how I individually processed emotion, handled emotion, and then sort of responded to that situation. It was the, what was That's fascinating cool. about going through this, and I'll call it a journey because I had some amazing faculty that, you know, Thad Henry and others that taught me some things about myself. Yeah. Where I struggled in sort of processing emotion. When I first started in this industry, and I think when many of us first started in this industry, the attitude of a worker coming in was don't bring your problems to work. You leave those at home and you're here to do a job. That's not how people function. They don't function that way. You, you know, you right. drive to work, you, you drive to work and somebody cuts you off, <laughs> your adrenaline kicks in. And I want to yes. say, you know, whether you get road rage or not, but now <laughs> you walk in the back door and you're supposed to be incredibly like, hi, I'm here. It's a I great know, I'm, I'll be, I just I'm got happy. cut yeah. off and the person took my parking spot. Those things matter. Oh, uh, yeah. Having a, having a problem at home um, with your child or your, your spouse, or it's a financially, you know, something's, up oh, yeah. oh, yeah. These things impact you all day. They don't, yeah. they don't have a light switch to turn them on and off. And yeah. so I think that's the one thing that uh, that pursuit taught me. That's really yeah. true. I think every boss should undergo some sort of training like that. I mean, because it's like, hello, we're humans. Like you can't, I mean, yeah. And it's, it shouldn't be a badge of honor to be able to like compartmentalize so much right. that you're just like a little robot. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I just having that um, sort of awareness is like such a huge step for just, I, I like the way that, um, working and employment is headed where people can talk about mental health and they can talk yeah. about feelings because it seems like that was so taboo for so long that it's like, geez, it's, it's nice to like acknowledge that we're all human. <laughs> no, I agree with you. And I, I think we're challenged by so many things, the pandemic, uh, oh, yeah. people in a variety of ways, people still haven't found where they no. feel safe coming out of that. Um, obviously the things that are happening across the country and other you know, what just happened in Nashville, these are all incredibly I know. challenging things and they, yeah. put your, they put mental health at the forefront. And that yeah. is, you know, we're seeing it here with college students, um, mm -hmm. dealt with it now for a few years, but mental health is, um, it's a struggle. And, you know, I think that's a focus that our country needs to take on a little bit. I know this I... isn't a political platform to talk about, but I, I do think that you know, dining programs across the country, depending on how they're affiliated with an institution, they contribute to a student's success in many ways. Now, the institution may not necessarily recognize that, right? The faculty members may think that yeah. the only reason a student's here is so that they learn something in my classroom. I'm the one and, and yeah. that faculty member that afforded that student the opportunity to succeed. I can tell you that when we meet with a student, you know, the first couple of days from with a dietary issue or an eating disorder, or they're just struggling because 
they don't they don't have the confidence in our staff to prepare the food for them correctly. Yeah. That that meeting, that moment we are able to meet with them, that could actually be the defining moment in which they are now able to succeed, right? So yeah. faculty member that thinks it took the, you know, four years of our <laughs> educational strategies and our educational mission is what was success measured the success. What if that kid left after two or three days? Yeah. Because right. dining couldn't because dining couldn't step in or because yeah. because student health didn't have a counselor available or because the office of um you know the the, the office that deals with disabilities wasn't open. There yeah. are so many things that happen in the division, our division of student affairs or within student affairs that that contribute to success. And so oh, yeah. it's all tied together as far as I'm yeah. concerned. And supporting people who are the traditional college age, it's such a big deal because as we are finding out, their brains are not even, you know, fully developed yet. It's like, we've got to watch out for them because it's, we all know the choices that that we made when we were freshmen in college. And like, it's so, you know, it's so exciting. Without, and, you know, without cameras and cell phones, I, I can, well, not, yeah. So I can only imagine. I know, Lord have mercy. I, that would be a very big problem if they was, <laughs> there were cameras. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it's like this, they're used to that. They know. And and maybe it's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Cause it's yeah. like, I, they have a little more shame, <laughs> a little more accountability maybe. But um, yeah. So looking ahead to the future, I wanted to see like, what are some things that you are interested in that you would like to try or just sort of things that you're curious about for the operation? Well, one of the things that we just did, and I, it's it's already in the rearview mirror, but we just opened a food pantry um, on campus. Oh, so that cool! Was big, that was a big push over the last month. Um, we developed a partnership with Food Share Connecticut. We now have an opportunity a couple days a week for for faculty, staff, grad students, undergrads that are self-identifying a need. They can come to the pantry and and pick up some product from us. Um, that was a big thing. I think that you know that's awesome. Yeah. Something. One of the things that we have up here is we have a connection to a couple of regional campuses. So UConn is, you know, they they say the main campus is in stores, but there are regional campuses throughout the state, and we have a presence oh, yeah. in a couple of them. So one of the focuses uh, right now is can we get a meal plan in place at Avery Point, which is down in Groton, and I would love for us to have a presence in downtown Hartford. There's a campus mm. that's been now open for a few years. Um, we do not have a presence there, but there are 1,500 undergrads, 1,500 grad students there, a small contingent of staff and faculty, but they don't have a lot of choices in that area. Yeah. And is that kind of an urban campus? I, that I, is a I city. mean, you that say is downtown. A, yeah. That is, that's a city. I don't know Hartford uh, that well. That is downtown Hartford, and it's okay. a gorgeous renovation. Uh, but you know, you've got to leave that building and you've got to go find something on the street. Yeah. So maybe there would be pandemic. There's just not a lot of choices on the street. Yeah. Maybe dining could have like, um, I don't know, like find like a storefront or something that's empty. I, I'm trying to think of where I visited somewhere where they did that really well. I think it was university of Richmond, yeah. but they, they had a downtown thing and like, it was really, it was kind of integrated in there and then it was open to the public too. So you could yeah. maybe, maybe do something like that. That, that could be good. Yeah. And well, I bet they have like that. old historic buildings there, like something that used to be like a knitting factory or like a textile factory or something. That like would that. be great. But <laughs> actually um, we'll probably, we have some space. I think we'll find some space inside the actual campus building. Oh yeah, do that first. If you can, you know, yeah. if it's possible to work yeah. within what you have. Yeah, that would be cool. Absolutely. So working on that, I think the other thing that we're all seeing in the industry is that vendors uh, are finally ready to bring product back in for testing. And so that's- Oh been yeah. So 
We started testing some stuff a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's nice to have people bringing product in saying, hey, this is what we have. Would you like to check it out? We'd love to you know, partner with UConn. Uh, so that's going to be helpful. Um, I sort of hesitate to say this, but I can tell you, I just went to a food show at UMass and plant-based is kind of fading out and it's fading out quick. And I think it's because everybody went so far in uh -huh. that, uh, and now it's not, it's not selling as well. So everybody's yeah. kind of backing off. So yeah, that'll be a shift uh, for the mm -hmm. industry. And I think for us, you know, I think one of the things that's going to stick is that local clean students want ingredients. They want to know where it's coming from. They want, yes. so that'll, I think that'll stick for us. That'll give us an opportunity to continue to look for more local partnerships uh, within the New England region. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's where we're headed. We're also under cool. renovate or actually a ground up building right now. Brand mm -hmm. new dining facility that's scheduled to open in uh, the fall of 2024. So oh, that we'll is, have to keep uh, an eye on that. Yeah. Cool. Project we're working on right now. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that that really sounds good. And I what I wanted to find out is if there are any other fun facts about the program that you, you would like to share? Well, I think that, you know, the program itself, from a sustainability standpoint, we don't, we've done a pretty good job over the years of telling our story to external, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, NACUPS knows our story. If you, if you pick up oh, yeah. industry publications, people know our story. Internally, what you have to remember is you have to tell your story every year because you've got a whole new group of people coming in. Yeah. And that's something I think that you look at our evolution on the sustainability front. We are right now the only dining program in the entire country that has all of its residential dining programs four star rated by the Green Star Green Restaurant Association. Yes, Nobody else. That's can awesome. Say that. Nobody else wow. can say that. Um, I do believe that, and I'd have to check this, I still believe that we are the only uh, dining program that is running its own gluten-free bakery on campus. Um, we'll have to talk changed. about that. Often. That may have changed, yes. but, you know, there's just things that we've done yeah. that we are incredibly proud of. I do, I do laugh a little bit when like a school will call up and say, all right, how are you handling moving away from plastic straws? How did you handle moving away from plastic bags? Yeah. You don't use trays anymore. I mean, the fact that some places still do these things. Yeah. And are not doing that counterbalance to how it's impacting not only your carbon footprint, but it's how it's impacting you know, yeah. just landfills. Um, yeah. I think the other really cool thing that we're doing here is all of our food waste is going to a company in Connecticut and it's being used for uh, just, it's going into a massive anaerobic digester. Quantum Biopower is okay. taking all of our food waste, scraping the methane off. They're powering five local businesses with that energy. But that's we cool. have finally closed out where our food waste goes. So I think that's the stuff yeah. that I think, you know, I'm just incredibly proud of what we do when it comes to sustainability. And those initiatives are going to be more aggressive because colleges across the country, and ours is one of them, wants to be uh, carbon neutral by a certain date. So I'm not going to yeah. put that date out here, but we are pushing. It's <laughs> yeah. a very expensive thing to do, but oh, we yeah. We're, we're just constantly looking at ways to fix that. That is cool. Yeah, definitely. I think colleges can lead the way and especially dining services within that for food waste, for reducing food waste in the yep. world of finding, because once you decide to commit to it, it's like, how do we do it? And you find new ways Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Well, we're going to keep in touch with you for sure. And I'm, I'm so happy that we got to have this conversation, got to meet you a little bit, and we hope that you come back to the show sometime. All right. Well, I appreciate the time. And um, I look forward to, you know, getting back on, but also, you know, this, 
UConn's been a place near and dear to me for a long time. And so um, I getting to stay home and do this is uh, is an honor and a privilege. So right on.